infants on thrones. Throwback Black Friday. 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 Throwback Friday. Star House Mrs. Mini Sound. Welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is my dream log that I kept as a missionary from 1991 to 1993 in Okayama, Japan. The first entry I'm going to read today, and keep this in mind, I haven't read these for years. (laughs) I just came across this journal a week or so ago. And, uh, yeah, so I'm kind of rereading it for the first time as I'm recording it here. So this next journal entry is from June 27th, 1991. And it starts off like this. Part of the mission stretched to Flagstaff. So I took Greg Doyle to get a haircut at Ray's. Because I had no money, I stopped by home first, and my mom gave me a mon yen. That's like, I don't know, like 80 bucks, $100 maybe. I was thrilled. I went with, it was either Greg Doyle or Stuart Manning now, maybe both, to a little shopping center by the 7-Eleven. Shane Layton was there making boobs with his shirt. And I saw Annie and Sabitha and Melissa, a bunch of people I named from high school. I asked Sabitha and Annie what they believed about God. They couldn't believe I was really a missionary, and they just laughed. Then I watched Chad and Eby steal something out of a store. I don't know what. Then I decided it was time to go. So we flew Nice. Dreams where you get to fly. I flew over my house and over a mountain, and we started making our way back. The rest is hard to explain. I remember running in a big series of tennis courts, always trying to get out. Then people started blocking the exits. Big pro-wrestler kind of people. I wrote in Japanese, mitai no sto, anyway. I chose a door, and I broke it down. Instead of a wrestler, it was Daryl Hall of Hall and Oates. <laughs> and I got him to sing. As he was singing, I broke a window and escaped. And all these thugs came after me. Baby, come back. You can blame it all on me. I was wrong. The other guys with me were quite a ways behind me, but they were safe because I had what it was that these thugs wanted. I know that Manning was originally one of them because earlier me and Greg were running to get back and we were holding a baton-like thing and Manning was lazily riding in a wagon. He yelled at me, or no, we yelled at him to get him to help us, but he kept saying, 
that the oilers were the richest and the quickest path was in the sand. He was wrong. The sand was very slow. So anyway, I started flying, thinking I was home free. I was on some kind of blow-up balloon of sorts. Then the main bad guy thug came at me with a small airplane and killed me. I remember I then turned off the TV, because this had all been a movie I was watching. And I talked to my mom and my dad and my little brother Jeff, and mom gave me tickets to the Shakespeare Festival and said to bring a date. The ticket had Kim Post's name on them. Oh, I remember her. Uh, Making it impossible for me to take anyone besides Kim Post. (laughs) Then I woke up. All right. What a dream, huh? So now you know all the weird stuff going on inside the head of a missionary in Japan. So at this time, like in 1991 in June, I was still 19. Uh, Yeah, can't believe I did that. All right, uh, the mission. (laughs) June 28th, 1991. As usual, I'm not quite sure of the order of the dream, but I remember riding in a go-kart-like thing with my brother through Circle G. I'll talk about that go-kart later. When we got to our house, the phone was ringing. It was Kevin. He was my friend in the wheelchair that I used to pull him around in the back of the go-kart, we, we would go collect fast offerings in the neighborhood when we were 14-year-old teachers. And so I inherited this uh, mini car from my uncle, and I would drive it, and Kevin would hold on to the back. Um, you know, kind of like Marty McFly in Back to the Future, except instead of a skateboard, it was his wheelchair. Anyway, uh, when we got to my house, the phone was ringing. It was Kevin wanting to see me. Then I remember being at this big gathering of people and some girl was talking about shampoo. Christine was there. She was a girl I dated at BYU. We were flirting and she told me that she loved me. I remember kissing her and uh, doing a lot with her, but I don't remember where we went or what we did, just that we were together. The next, <laughs> the next part is gross, so I will make only subtle references. <laughs> Ben's skin had crumbled all away. This is a penis euphemism. I don't know why I called it Ben. Ben's skin had crumbled all away, and I went to tell my dad, I think I remember this. Oh my gosh, that was... don't want to have a dream about your penis crumbling away. Uh, And I went to tell my dad it was sad, and I was in a panic. Then I realized that everything was okay. Then I remember being in the van with my mom and dad. A snake came out of some trees and was on the top of the car. So I rolled up the windows. My dad drove the van into the garage, and the garage door scraped the snake off the van, and it was slithering on the ground. I kept yelling to my dad to kill it. 
especially since it was so close to Jeff and Missy, my little brother and sister, outside, and Missy wanted to pet it. Oh, jeez. There's a lot of Freudian stuff going on in here. It's like, did I was I feeling guilty about this dream that I had where I was kissing and doing other things with Christine, so I had to scrape the snake skin penis off the van? I don't know. Calling all Freudians. I kept yelling to my dad to kill it, especially since it was so close to Jeff and Missy outside. <laughs> my sister wanted to pet it. Uh, but my dad didn't kill it. Instead, it turned into a wild dog that turned out to be friendly. That's true. <laughs> we kept it as a pet. <laughs> yes, we did. Then I remember seeing a horse lying on some steps in front of our house. The horse told me he wanted to be our horse. <laughs> I want to be your horse. Uh, I found out later that he already had an owner, but when I asked him, the horse, about it, he wouldn't talk about it. <laughs> I got the impression that his old owner mistreated him or something. We, my father and brother and horse, were all sitting around talking about the horse's old responsibilities compared to his new responsibilities. He was quite a capable horse. Then I woke up. Oh, jeez. Okay. All right, let's, let's do another one. Next day, wow. You, you know, usually, on, on my mission especially, but, but especially early in my life, this was kind of a pattern where I would get an idea to do something and I would be able to sustain it for maybe like three or four days in a row and then it's kind of like stopped it you know I, I think we've probably done some episodes or series or things like that on Infants on Thrones too where that still kind of creeps up where I'm like really gung-ho about something like chunky infant ghost stories and then like after a week or two into it I'm like I, why did I start doing this but I maintained the the dream lock I'm impressed I did at least a three-day in a row here. This is June 29th, 1991. All right. In this dream, I was not a missionary, nor was I going on a mission, which is rare for my dreams the past few months. I will try to relate things in the best order I can, but it is very fuzzy. I was home, and Stephanie Dana had a crush on me. That's no dream. I, I wrote there. I don't really remember Stephanie. She would follow me around. I remember doing stuff with Dan and Anthony, who were non-Mormon friends of mine. We went somewhere in my van. I think we met Regina Allen somewhere. I don't remember what we did. I was then at some kind of church function. A girl other than Stephanie Dana was after me this time, and I remember she was very tan. She gave me her phone number and the number of her stake president so I could call him and get permission to take her out. Jeez. Man, like Mormonism just forms your brain, right? I remember that I was going to be in another Charlie Brown play. Yeah, because when I was in fifth grade, 
you know, not to brag or anything, but I was Charlie Brown, and you're a good man, Charlie Brown. And, uh, yeah, I got a little cocky about that. Maybe, maybe I'll talk about that at the end of this stream. So I was going to be in another Charlie Brown play because I was also Charlie Brown in seventh grade. You know, same play. Charlie Brown. And I hadn't as yet even seen a script for it. I was also supposed to play volleyball with the girls' church team. Sister Perry came and said something to me about Adrian, and then they started playing the theme song to Silver Spoons. Here we are, face to face, a couple of okay. Graham McCann was there. Graham McCann was a friend of mine, also not a member in high school. Um, he's the guy that created the Captain Obvious commercials for Hotels.com. There you go, Graham McCann, making your mark on the world. Um, and Graham was going a little crazy about Silver Spoons. He started mimicking Ricky Schroeder. See, and I didn't even know at this point. This is 1991. I don't think Ricky Schroeder had joined the church yet. So this is probably a clear sign of my own prophetic abilities. Um, is Ricky Schroeder still a Mormon? Is he still even a thing? I don't know. The whole congregation was singing along. It was weird. Then I remember my little sister made a mess in the kitchen and my dad got upset at me for it. That's not fair. Jeez. And threw some peas in the family room and told me to clean them up before they got smushed into the carpet. Thanks, Dad. I told him to do it himself. <laughs> and he realized he had been kind of a jerk about the whole thing. Yes, absolutely, this is a dream. My dad would never realize that. No, that's not true. I'm being too mean to my dad. I love my dad. Then I remember going somewhere in a car listening to Paul McCartney's silly love songs. Stephanie Dana was sitting next to me, singing along and looking right at me. Ugh. I was trying so hard to avoid her. Why? Then we were standing in a line doing something and she kept putting her head on my shoulder. Someone asked me a question and I said, I don't like this dream at all. And then I woke up. So there you go. Okay, so I'll, I'll read some more entries another time. What was it I was going to talk about in here? Oh, the Charlie Brown thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just a... Just my belligerence as a, as a kid. So in, in fifth grade, I was super cocky and excited about being the lead in the Charlie Brown play. And the first performance that we did, it was going to be at another elementary school. And I thought that was cool. We got to be a traveling drama troupe in fifth grade, man. Was I like 10 or 11 years old? And, uh, yeah, I, I was, I was big stuff. And so I was strutting around the classroom and the teacher said to me, Glenn, you got to settle down, um, or I'm not going to let you go to the play today. And I looked at her and I go, Oh, really? I'm Charlie Brown. The play is called, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. If I don't go, what are they going to call the play? You're a good man. 
So I got sent to the principal's office for that. And then the next year in sixth grade, when our school did the Wizard of Oz, and I really wanted to be the Wicked Witch of the West because I loved saying, I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. That's what That was what I wanted to do, and I tried out and I made it. But they said, look, we're not going to let you hold us hostage this year like you did last year. Any bad behavior from you and you're out. And I don't remember what I did. It was probably somebody else. It was probably my dad who threw a bunch of peas in the carpet and, you know, said, you better clean them up before you spend it. It wasn't my fault is what I'm saying. It probably wasn't my fault. Probably didn't do anything wrong. But they pulled me off of Wizard of Oz and I wasn't able to do that line. And it was at that moment that I decided that someday I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to talk to people and no one's going to stop me. No one's going to stop me this time. So anyways, that's the Charlie Brown story. And then in seventh grade, we did it again and I got cast as Charlie Brown again. And I'm like, happiness is finding your skate key, you know, or, uh, yeah, there are a lot of songs in that. I still kind of remember So anyway, thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones and uh, taking this tour of my 19-year-old missionary dream brain. And uh, we'll be back next week to read more entries. Take care. Hi, this is Nick from Los Angeles. And when I'm not spending time with my counterfeit family, I'm listening to Infants on Thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the quorum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.